From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Berry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we unpack stories from our radio newsrooms across the nation. Today, On Deadline is looking at a trend that seems to have a new generation apparently failing to launch and foregoing traditional rites of passage in favor of staying at home with their parents for an extended period of time. Over the last half decade, young Americans have found themselves returning home, or never leaving, as they face one of the worst economies to start fresh in. Inflation, fewer marriages, and an insurmountable housing market have more and more people on the cusp of 30 still propping up their feet on mom's couch and passing the popcorn to dad. Where's the meatloaf, ma? What was once a Will Ferrell punchline is now reality for an entire generation of Americans. According to a Harris poll from September, 45% of people ages 18 to 29 are living at home with their families. Pollsters reported that this is the highest that figure has been since the 1940s, when the country was in the midst of the Second World War and the Great Depression. So what's going on with Gen Z and millennials? Well, the poll found that 60% cited financial challenges for living at home. Dr. Michelle Moore, the head of psychology at LSU Health New Orleans, joined Odyssey to discuss the recent trend and what it could mean for future generations. Why have we been seeing this trend in the U.S. of more and more people staying home longer and longer before moving out on their own or moving back into their parents' homes as adults? I think it's a great question and an important one to be talking about. I think a big part of it, if people are trying to be financially smart and with how much it costs to go and rent an apartment and kind of live that adult dream where you finally are out on your own, it's really not as attainable now for a lot of these young adults as it used to be. And so they're trying to make financially smart decisions and determine how can I actually have some reserves in my account so that I can possibly go out and be able to get my own place at some point. But I think often, even if they've made all the right, quote unquote, choices, kind of get a degree, finding what their job would be. Um, It just doesn't make sense to go off and get an apartment on your own. I cannot tell you how many times my four adult children have said, Dad, adulting is a whole lot harder than we thought it would be. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and maybe it's getting harder and harder when you talk about the price of rent, the price of buying a home, the price of insurance. You start adding up the price of everything and everything and everything. And yeah, but at the same time, surveys show that um, Americans between 18 and 30 are spending more than ever before, that they're buying more lavish things, having more lavish experiences and enjoying life a lot more. I guess it's because if they're at home, they don't have to pay rent. They have more disposable income. Well, and to me, these sound like conversations that need to be had whenever somebody's choosing to move back into home of what are the responsibilities? How do you determine what the boundaries are in that relationship? Is the expectation that your adult child pays some amount of rent to kind of cover bills and cover cost of living so that they start to understand what it feels like to adult, as you say? So that conversation needs to happen. I think that that's actually an important part of this is that coming back home doesn't mean that everything is paid for foods paid for and you get to spend your money on whatever you'd like i think there has to be an understanding there and i think that's a hard conversation to have but a very important one have social standards changed we think back just a generation ago to movies like failure to launch and the shame that came upon those who still lived in their parents home through their 20s and maybe into their 30s but now it's actually normal for kids over 18 
all the way up to age 30 to live with their parents. Has something changed psychologically in our society and in our family structures? Another good question that I think, in thinking about, I think you can't take out the financial piece of how that has really impacted things. From a psychological standpoint, it could be more comforting to be able to stay home in this familiar environment where you've been before. However, I'll say that I think there are some people where home and living with parents actually isn't the most comfortable environment. They also don't want to be there, but they're not sure what the other options are. I do think it's important not to shame people if they do choose to live at home because it is the most financially responsible thing to do. So I think families need to be really mindful of how those conversations are happening, particularly with holidays coming up and people all getting together and kind of maybe talking about these things, that we're not shaming people and we're not criticizing people for the choices that they make, especially if it is the most financially smart choice for that particular individual. I think parents are often reluctant to share a lot of financial information with their kids as they're growing up. And maybe we don't teach our kids well enough what it's like to adult and how hard it is to pay all the bills and maintain a household and things like that. I think it's a good point. I think it has to be developmentally appropriate and that we also don't want to burden our children, our young children, with financial stressors that then they carry with them. But at the same time, how do you have those conversations so that they're aware that all of those things cost money? You're asking for for this, but that, this is how much that costs. So I think that there is a way to have those conversations so that when they become adult children, that they are completely surprised by what the real world is like because they need to be informed and understand what's to come. I think focusing on that part over the holiday time of not shaming people who are choosing to do this, but also to the families who are having their adult children live with them, sit down and have a conversation about expectations and about what the financial setup is going to look like. You have to talk about it. Factor in the fact that since 2020, rent prices have climbed more than 18%. In November, the median rent across the country was $1,967 per month, and that's a drop from August's record high of $2,054 per month, according to Rent.com. Financial experts suggest paying no more than 30% of gross monthly income on housing, which means you'd need to make $6,000 a month or $72,000 a year to pay average rent. At the same time, the average starting salary for the graduating class of 2022 was just over $55,000. And that's for a college graduate. The math isn't mathing. You put those numbers together, and you'll understand the pressures driving the trend. And you'll understand why more parents are starting to play the role of landlord in addition to mom and dad. Los Angeles newspaper columnist and CPA Michelle Herting joined Odyssey to discuss whether or not parents should make their adult children still living at home pay rent. So at what point should a parent say to an adult child, and and by the way, I guess we should even define what we mean nowadays by an adult child. It seems to range anywhere from 18 all the way up to like 50. What is an adult child, and at what point should a parent say, you know what, you can live here, but you got to fork over some bucks? Well, I look at it a different way. I think instead of charging them rent, let's think of how we can get them on their own. We want them to be fully functioning adults. And if we charge them rent, we might be holding them back. So my thinking is let's make a plan and let's work with some professionals and let's let's get the kids to the, to the point where they can move out. About 39% of the kids, the reason they move home is because they can't afford their rent. 
All right. So what would be a good plan? Uh, you know, and suppose the, the kid and again, I, I'm kind of reluctant to say kid because it conjures up this notion of somebody, you know, like I said, who's 17, 18, 19. But, <laughs> you know, we all know stories about adult kids who are well past their like 30s and 40s who are still yeah. living at home. So what what would be the, the plan that you can come up with? And what happens when the kid, in quotes, says, Mom, Dad, I just can't afford to live on my own? Well, there's so, there's so many different reasons why they're at home. And I think looking, addressing the issues of why they're at home. And some of them are financial and some are not financial. The financial ones would be, um, you know, student debt or being in school, or maybe medical bills could be a problem. You know, their standard of living or where they're living might be too expensive for what they're earning. So I would first look at the re- what are the actual reasons why they're home and, and what ways the parent can help. And what are some of the ways? Well, some of the ways they can help is by if it's just a shortfall every month and say they're in graduate school or they're in an internship or, or you know, just starting out. You remember when you were starting out that you didn't make, earn that much to help with that shortfall. And that way, keeping them out of the house and allowing them to keep their independence. Um, another way is to set a date for when you want them to be out and working towards that date. And maybe even working with professionals like a certified financial planner, or they can also work with a um, even some behavioral psychologists can help them if it's a matter of them not, you know, living up to their potential. You kind of walked up to that ledge about, you know, setting a date, but you didn't go over it. So I'm going to push you over it. Uh, <laughs> At at what time do you just change the locks on the door? There should be a triggering time, for instance, when they're done with graduate school or when they're done with that low-paid internship or a date, for instance, like if they're 25, that that's a good time for them to move out. And, And, you know, not making it so comfortable that they don't want to ever leave, right? While one generation is gearing up to be ready to jump out of the nest, another is looking to build its own flock. And according to the World Health Organization, loneliness has been declared a global public health concern. The health risk of being lonely is so great, the organization compares it to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Among those who are most susceptible to loneliness are older generations. Kathy Mahalik, the executive director of Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly, is working to fight loneliness head-on by helping those who may need some companionship on the West Coast. She joined Odyssey to discuss more about her efforts. So what are some of the things that you do uh, for and with these people? We have several programs. Our main program is we match a volunteer up with an older adult, and they commit for six months to do two visits in their home, and we hope a reciprocal friendship happens. And some of these matched volunteers have been together for 15, 10 years. So that is really great. And so they form a friendship, and they can depend on each other. There's a lot of younger volunteers volunteers in our city that really like hanging out with older adults and they maybe had a close relationship with grandparents as their grandparents are no longer alive and so they are looking for those human connections. We have a, a tech program where we help that older adult get connected to the digital media out there. So we do 
many holiday programs with our older adults because, as you mentioned in the intro, that it's really hard, difficult time for people to be alone during the holidays. So we do a holiday party. We do visits over the December holidays. We're doing meal deliveries and in-home visits to those older adults. We're delivering and doing visits. You know, you talked earlier about it's really about giving back to the community and making those connections to older adults. We have two families that have been doing this for 32 years, and now they're their kids are like in their late 30s, early 40s. And this is a holiday tradition that they have. They they do the visit, they deliver the meal to an LVFE older adult, and then they carry on with their holiday, holiday festivities. But, you know, they tell us all the time, this is a part of what they do, and they look forward to it every year. What kind of feedback do you get from the older adults? Oh, my goodness, they, they just love it because... Many of our older adults don't expect to be in this position where they're lacking family and friends, but many times they might be the last one in their family unit alive. And so they're so grateful for that human connection. And as you mentioned, isolation and loneliness is an epidemic in this country, and the health effects are really equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It brings on early dementia because there's nobody to speak with, you know, stress um, and autoimmune diseases. So, you know, it's kind of a something we don't really talk about. And the older generation in this city has built this wonderful city of San Francisco. And we have so much to be able to give back to them and to make sure they're not alone. And the feedback is amazing that we get from our older adults. Older generations are at risk if they spend too much time alone. The cost of living today means it's nearly impossible for young people to even afford living alone. So maybe the renewed trend of generational cohabitation is actually a healthy one. Keep this information in mind the next time you want to chide a member of Gen Z for spending money on avocado toast while still bunking down in their childhood bedroom. Actually, since it's used as a punching bag so often, let's look at the economics of avocado toast real quick before we go. If you would put down a 20% down payment on a median-priced home of around $313,000, you would need to forego 5,220 avocado toasts or 15,660 lattes, according to Marketplace. If you eat avocado toast three times a week, it would take you over 33 years to save up for an average down payment. If you drink five lattes per week, it would take you over 60 years. Now, here at On Deadline, we're not your mom or your dad or your financial advisor, but we all know that life is hard. If a $5 latte makes it easier, we say go for it. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smee. I'm Lauren Barry, and I want to say thanks for listening to On Deadline, Odyssey serving of a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts to stay informed.